0: I'm, I'm doing the dishes the other day, and yeah. I, I'm I'm doing my normal whistling and clapping and snapping as I do. Uh, <laughs> and my wife, my wife looks over to me and she goes, I just realized that your internal monologue in life as you go through your day must be doo 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 doo. And I will be honest, she might be right. That might be my internal monologue.
1: You, you, you you Most of us have voices inside of our heads, and it's usually our parents. You've got Ned Flanders.
0: <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> yes, you do, diddly do. <laughs> uh, like I always, I, I, I always, my heart goes out to our fellow artist friends whose internal monologue is "You're terrible. You're the worst. You're, yes, you're, yeah. a, you're an imposter, That kind of thing. And for a big chunk of my life, my my uh, internal monologue is, you know. Uh, blue sky, sunny day. Just,
1: uh... we, we crack open a look inside Dave's uh, subconscious, and it, it's it's like when, when Roger Rabbit came through the tunnel on the other side of Toontown. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you've got the bird singing, Smile, darn you, smile. <laughs> you, you crack open my skull, and it's just a, an image of a baby kitten swimming around in milk going, Meow, 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 meow. meow. Meow, 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 meow. <laughs> Happy
1: little baby kitten.
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Well, hello everybody, and welcome to Comic Lab, the show about making comics.
1: And making a living from comics. I'm Brad Geiger, editor of webcomics.com and cartoonist of Evil Inc. And I'm Dave Kellett, cartoonist of Drive and Sheldon, and co-director of Stripped. And this week's Hour of Comics Advice is made possible by your support at patreon.com slash comic lab. So and Dave.
0: Brad, oh, oh go, yes. go no. Hey, go ahead. We're both jumping on on the on the bandwagon here to ask the other one how they're doing. How are you doing my friend?
1: Ah, it's been it's been a very productive week. Uh like I said last show uh we I I'm in Huntsville, Alabama uh, in a extended stay hotel. Now well, my Huntsville, kid... correct
0: me if I'm wrong, was Huntsville the original inspiration for Metropolis in DC Comics? <laughs> yes,
1: yes it was. You can see it the skyline, the sparkling Huntsville skyline If the, you look uh, the... if
0: you look just past the Dairy Queen and the Piggly Wiggly, <laughs> you can see the Huntsville skyline massive, just skyscrapers reaching to the stars. Yeah. And
1: and and the the, the, the blimps, you know, the sleek blimps going uh from from skyscraper to skyscraper. It's it's, it's really amazing
0: here. So I have never, I've been to Alabama, but I've never been to Huntsville. Paint me a picture of what Huntsville, Alabama is like. Is it uh, like three lights long or how, how big is it? The, the part of Huntsville that I'm in, I'm on University
1: Drive right now. And the part of Huntsville that I'm in, uh, picture a strip mall. Uh, uh, yeah, picture a strip mall in your mind. Now multiply it by about 17. And that's, I mean, it's just strip malls all the way down either side of the street. Strip mall, strip mall, strip mall. There's 110, like, franchisee-type restaurants. Uh, theres it, It's not bad, but it's not like, you know, it, it's not particularly exciting either.
0: Uh, it, it's it's a kind of one of those main drags where it looks like if there's a, a truck that overturns on the freeway, that Huntsville's main drag becomes the alternate route.
1: Yeah, that, you know what, that might not be such a bad way to put it.
0: (laughs) You know, those kind of towns in the Midwest and in the South where it's just like, it's parallel to a freeway. They didn't put the freeway through the town. But if if a truck overturns and a thousand plastic cups spill out, then they're like, all right, everybody drive through Huntsville. Then that's fine.
1: And and then all those strip malls are going to get lots and lots of business that day.
0: Yeah. And so, temperature yeah. wise, 110, 115? What are we looking no, at in Huntsville? Like, actually,
1: very, very comfortable. I have not walked outside and felt uncomfortable, either hot or cold, yet since, since being here.
0: It rained a well, little now, bit. Well, now here's the, the real question day. for everybody at home yeah. How often have you walked outside <laughs> of your hotel room?
1: Not freaking often. <laughs> as seldom as possible. It's been fantastic.
0: Fantastic. I know you well enough to know the pants have stayed off and crumpled by oh, the front door of that hotel room.
1: There is no pants.
0: This is an no pants zone,
1: and <laughs> has been since the moment I walked in. Well, it, it was, it, I
0: will tell you as a friend, uh, uh-huh. if you're doing work at the desk of a Huntsville, Alabama hotel, you might want to put the pants back on. Just maybe, maybe take
1: one of those towels from the bathroom and, and just fold it up and put. Yeah, it Yeah, don't shine
0: a blue light on that room. You're gonna want to. You're gonna want to just put. The pants back on no i it, i really
1: finally figured this out like i this is the second year in a row that we've done this my younger son is up the street at space camp and it's a sleepaway camp but it's so far away from philly it would it would have been dumb for me to have driven all the way down here and then drive back because then i would have had maybe a chance to sleep and then it would t- be time to drive back down here and pick him up and drive back so uh this is and the, I, i'm staying in the same place that I stayed last year, because it worked out really well. And uh, they've got a what, what you would expect out of a nice hotel breakfast. I mean, it's better than a continental breakfast. They've got eggs and sausage, and they've got one of those waffle makers. You know, the do you know, do you know the joy I feel when I walk into a hotel and see it's got a waffle
0: maker? It's Brad Geiger, a man of sophisticated taste. Ah, ah, oh, I love the waffle maker. I, I, I love the idea, a... though, of you calling ahead like, do you have a waffle maker there? Do you perhaps have a waffle maker at your Huntsville, Alabama hotel? Hello. Oh, Brad I Geiger did... here. Five, five, climb back nine. Do you have a waffle maker? <laughs> chance do you have a waffle maker? Um, I say, it, old boy, I shan't be booking <laughs> my stay there. if You don't have a waffle maker. Do you at least approve you <laughs> bringing their own waffle maker? I would like to bring my waffle maker with me. I'd, I'd, I'd
1: like to not bring my own, but I'd like to use yours. My in my You know what's a, you know ahead, what's a funny ahead.
0: word that doesn't appear in, in British RP English is the word waffle. There's no yeah. good way to say waffle in British RP. Like you, know, I say Waffle. Wow,
1: it... <laughs> yeah you've got to kind of screw up that l a little bit
0: yeah uh well, so my, i gotta tell my... you though before we uh, i almost forgot to mention this at the top of the show what go ahead what would what, i say what i say <laughs> no you are like a like shot out of a cannon
1: today it's amazing oh i'm on i'm on coffee number four i'm sorry uh, about i can that. tell i well well let me I, i'm gonna let me get to the to the original point here of, of telling you about breakfast Ah. Uh, Not only because it wasn't the waffle maker, that that was not, that was not the point, Uh, but they've, they have a really nice breakfast. Right. And then in the evening, they've got social hour. And last year I spent an entire week here and I, I didn't go to social hour because I'm antisocial. If I, I figure if I go to social hour, they're going to want me to talk to people. And I don't want to do that. And my wife is like, they probably have snacks She says, go down to social hour and fill up your plate, turn around and leave. What are they going to do? Kick you out of the hotel? Just go down and get some snacks, if nothing else. You know, you're paying for it. So I went down to social hour on Monday and they not only said they had like a, a little dinner there, they had grilled chicken sandwiches and free beer. So I'm like, I love social hour. I still didn't talk to anybody. I took my food over in the corner like a caveman and kind of, you know, shielded it, put my, put uh, put my shoulder in front of it and kind of, kind of trapped.
0: Turned towards the wall slightly. (laughs) Uh,
1: All of which to say, uh, I've been doing social hour every night, going down there, getting a dinner, basically. And free beer and coming back and, and working into the night. So really the only meal I have to buy if I'm hungry is lunch, which I've gone out and done a couple of times. So old Cheapy McGee here. So you've
0: left the hotel room exactly twice then. This is amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's pretty accurate too. <laughs> uh, you're like that silverback gorilla that comes out of his cave at the zoo. <laughs> Flings some poop at people and then goes back yeah, into his
1: cave. Yep. And just, then and turns around, grunts over his shoulder, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and stumbles back into where I'm from. That's that's <laughs> it's that's the best way
0: of putting it. Well, I am glad though that you're at least being productive. That makes me happy. That's that's a good thing. I'm happy that's working for you.
1: So far, so good. I I think I left myself a little bit too much to do this week because I'm like, I I wanted to get to a certain point and do some prep for the uh, college class that I'm going to start teaching uh, starting Monday. And I got a feeling I'm going to be doing a lot of that over the weekend. But, uh, but, but, for the most part, I, I did some writing that I'm very happy with, and uh, now it's just sitting down and doing a lot of penciling and a lot of inking.
0: Well, good. That's great. Yeah. I'm proud of you. That's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Well, and listen, before we get into our questions, of which we have many good ones this week, I wanted to mention one thing because it's ongoing now. Is uh, I've just started a Kickstarter for my new Drive book, my, my Act 2 hardcover. Uh, it's over at drivekickstarter.com.
1: Congratulations. That's DriveKickstarter.com.
0: Yeah, so that's DriveKickstarter.com is what you were trying to say there, I think. Yeah, yeah. Now, I think I remember reading somewhere
1: that you have to repeat something seven times (laughs) before somebody remembers it.
0: If one were to say DriveKickstarter.com once, that's enough. That's all you need to say is just the once, the DriveKickstarter.com.
1: You you don't want me to keep saying DriveKickstarter.com. Is that what you're saying?
0: That's uh, that's what I'm getting at. Is that if someone wants both book one and book two of Drive at, at DriveKickstarter.com, they just go to DriveKickstarter.com. We don't need to we don't need to belabor the point. Let's, let's leave these people
1: alone. But here's the deal. I've got volume one in hardcover. I I want volume two in hardcover.
0: Oh, Brad! Like we've we've prepared uh, for every uh, every possibility over at DriveKickstarter.com. You can just get book two at DriveKickstarter.com. So you're good. At, as a hardcover. As a hardcover or as a softcover, my friend. And you can get one and two as a hardcover or softcover. So drivekickstarter.com is going to have everything you need.
1: And that's both at drivekickstarter.com.
0: That's right. Yes. I'll so I, <laughs> now <that I'm>, I, <laughs> I, I I. I know that you were half joking as you did it, but I got to tell you, I appreciate it so much because we got to say it a few times. <laughs>
1: well, no. like How many Kickstarters have you done so far?
0: Uh, Eight.
1: Seven. You've done- eight? Eight or seven. Something like that. <laughs> uh let's go with seven just to be on the conservative side sure Uh, 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 when you hit the button on this one uh, uh, did were you any more confident than the first time you hit the button on number one
0: kickstarter more confident but i'm fairly certain that this one will not beat the first drive kickstarter Uh, oh is that right i think i don't know i i i don't know I just my my gut tells me that there's going to be less people that want to start at book two. You know what I mean? Like they're like, man, eh, it's too late to start. I'll just and so they don't do it at all. But m- oh, what do really? I know? Maybe it'll do better. We'll see.
1: That's interesting. I, I guess my point is, I, I for me, every time I launch a Kickstarter, I am in full panic mode. In fact, sure. my last Kickstarter, I changed my goal right up until like ten minutes before I hit the button. Not not by a whole lot. Not by tens of thousands, but I, I, I was, I was fiddling with that thing until finally I'm like, it, I've got to hit the button or or I'm going to go crazy.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. No, I, I think what's making me slightly calmer than my normal Kickstarter is the fact that this, this is a little bit more treading ground that I've already tread. If you know what I mean? Like I've already done act one of drive and it did great. So even if, even if I did 80% of what that first Kickstarter did, I'm fine with it. It's, it, it'll, it's fine. You know?
1: Yeah. No, um, you're, you're going to do fine. You're going to yeah, do like fine.
0: Yeah. Like the last one ended up at one Oh five. So if I end up anything North of 65 or 75, I'll be happy. Oh. That'll be fine.
1: You know, that's great. No, that's, that's fantastic. Now, did you do that thing that you shared with our listeners before where you, you, uh, open it up early to your Patreon backers?
0: Yes. And they, there are special levels that will lock, um, by the time that the link goes public. So the Kickstarter backers get it early, and by the time you're hearing this, I don't actually know yet, you'll see how it went, and you'll see whether I made my goal uh, and jumped out of the gate with uh, helping the Patreon backers go early. We'll see. We'll see.
1: I, I still think that's such a great strategy. I, I stole that uh, from my own Kickstarter after you said uh, about doing it, and, and it works like a charm. I, I well, really strongly advocate it.
0: And I have to tell you, just in the last week and a half, I've been publishing that there will be a special treat for Patreon backers on Kickstarter, and in so doing, gained another 25 backers. So uh, Really? And that was part of the, the purpose. And, and do I know that I will lose some of them? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I know that there will be people that will drop out as soon as they get the special thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's being human nature being what it is. But if I can keep even 50% of those people, great, you know?
1: Now, do you do pay up front or pay at the end of the month? Pay up front. Okay, so that so you don't have to worry about somebody jumping in using the discount and jumping out before the end of the month. You got well, like got I fully
0: expect, knowing you as I do, I fully expect you'll do that. But yeah, um, my hope is that most other people won't. So well, there's one
1: reason th- that you expect me to do it is because that's how I got Drive Kickstarter number one at DriveKickstarter.com.
0: <laughs> 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 you don't think I'm paying full price for that stuff, do you? I like that the Brad discount is just like, hey, remember when I shared that booth with you at Comic Con? Yeah, I took a couple of Sheldon books. Yeah, that's, yeah, that happened. Yeah,
1: the old uh, five finger discount.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, Bradley, Bradley J, we got yeah. uh, an audio question this week that I want to play with you, but uh, play for you. But I have a, a fun question that was texted to me that I want to ask you this week. Um, yeah. And it's from our mutual acquaintance, Will Shipley, a famous uh, Mac programmer who texted me and he said, I have an unsolicited suggestion for you, which I know everyone loves, which I appreciate. The <laughs> joke. Uh, he said, when I changed my Twitter photo to a very recognizable version of my face, people started introducing themselves to me in all kinds of so- social situations, conventions, mm-hmm. et cetera, because they actually recognized me. And I realized in that that it was a really valuable thing for my business. Um, and then he said, "End of unsolicited advice." And the reason he's sending that to me is, I for the last ten years or so have had a photo of me cosplaying as Captain Crunch from my Mattel toys days. Yeah, uh, and it's just been my my social media photo go to for a decade now. Um, but it's, it's a it's delightful both, photo. It's both me, but it's not me. Like it doesn't really give you the full sense of my face and just how tremendously handsome I am. How much God yeah. gifted me, really. You know, yeah. and so. Uh, and, and what Will is saying is the people want to see, I don't know where I'm going with this joke. <laughs> he, sl- just, you're just slapping over
1: with charisma
0: is what you're sure. saying. Uh, no, but let's talk for a second. Cause I think this is, this is an interesting thought here <laughs> is that is there value from a business standpoint in putting your face up there versus either a modified version of our face or a drawing of us or a drawing of our characters? What are your <sighs> thoughts? Bradley J go.
1: I've got so many thoughts on this. I, I, I think way too much about this stuff. And, and, I, and I've actually had a long time pondering Twitter icons, not only myself, but when I see other people's Twitter icons, I really uh, think too much about it. But I've got uh, two, two main things to say. Number one, I've had my recognizable face uh, on my Twitter feed going back since I started Twitter, same thing with Facebook and that's well over 10 years and nobody's ever introduced themselves to me. So I, I don't know that I've had the same experience or maybe, just, maybe will just, maybe will reaches a lot more people than I do. Or maybe I've got a face that you don't want to walk up and introduce yourself to. I, I fully expect that it may be one of those two things or a combination of both. Uh, but no, I've had my face and, 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 because at the heart, I, 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 believe in branding myself as an artist rather than my work. I, I want you to connect, especially on social media. I want you to connect with me first and the work second, because the work may change. I may end, uh, evil ink and start a new thing. I may start, I may keep evil ink and start a, a third thing. You know, they I, it, all of the work is gonna change, but the 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 me is gonna hopefully stay somewhat the same uh right. for better or for worse, so I believe in branding the artist before the work and and so I've always kind of used my face uh and I will say this: if you use something other than your face, man, really really be careful what that image is because there's a bunch of you guys that I don't like because I react negatively to your Twitter icon every time I see it. And it's and it doesn't make any sense. And it's it's illogical. But as soon as I see that image, I'm like, "Ugh, this guy again.
0: (laughs) Whoa, wait a minute. Okay, hold on. This is incredible. We got to unpack this. So you don't have to give me you don't have to give me who. (laughs) But I'm curious what style of social media profile Uh, photo would would turn your stomach. Oh, now, now
1: now, um, this, this is what I'm talking about. Not not necessarily a photo of the person's face, but although there's, there's times that happens too, it's more when they use a drawing and I don't like the drawing. If, if, if the drawing is aggressive or has a big open mouth and they're yelling, uh, that turns me off right off the bat. It's like, I don't want to, I don't want to open up my iPhone and have somebody yelling at me. It's uncomfortable. I, I react very viscerally to that kind of stuff. Oh and by the way, I don't think you should listen to this and say that everybody's like this. I I, I don't think that a lot of people deal with the mental <laughs> gymnastics that goes on inside my brain. but uh, but no I, I don't I don't like aggressive. I don't like poorly drawn. I, I If you're gonna have a, a Twitter image in there that you've drawn, it should be uh, it, it, it should be something that is well drawn. Uh, it can be, can be viewed even at that small size, you can still tell what it is and, and it should not be aggressive or angry because uh, there's, there's too much aggressive and angry on all social media as it is. I don't need your Twitter icon making it worse for me.
0: Right. It's a little bit like a, a drawing or a photo of a gun being pointed at you. You're like, I, I don't yeah, want this. I don't yeah. want this aimed at me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I, I listen, none of
1: us is, uh, cosmopolitan models. None of us are are magazine models. Uh, 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 A lot of people say, well, I don't have a very good face. I'm not going to take a picture of my face. None of us is pretty there's a few there's 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 one or two of us out there that are easy on the eyes but good lord we're cartoonists (laughs) you know we're we're a motley crew i don't think you should necessarily uh say i'm not going to use a photo of my face because i'm not camera ready i i think we all get that i i think of i i think a photo of your face is a nice thing to have on social media
0: well, it's funny. I'm looking through while you were saying that. I was looking through my social media feed, and all of our cartoonist friends have drawings of themselves, except for you and I. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe we're wrong. <laughs> and I'm in, I'm in cosplay, so even I don't really have a photo of my face. Um, but yeah, uh, literally everybody, everybody that I follow, that I, everybody who's anybody, Brad. No, I'm just saying, everybody in my feed has a drawing. That's interesting. Um. Uh, so I, I mean, maybe that's viewed as an extension of branding yourself in the sense that you're saying, this is my style. This is what you're going to get if you follow me on social media. Um, and I guess in a broader social media standpoint, when people are looking, do I want to follow this comedian or this cartoonist, a drawing of you is letting people know, Hey, this is what I, this is, uh, I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, Seinfeld. I'm a cartoonist, that kind of thing. Right.
1: Well, I, 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 I guess, Okay, let me, I'm going to go even further. Uh, if you've got a self caricature of, of that you've done, this is my drawing of me in my style, that I tend to float with just fine. But like your character, I tend to be not so crazy about. And if it's just this, uh, you know, off the wall image that has no connection to you as a person, other than the fact that you drew it, then you've really got to deliver something good or else I, I react badly to it.
0: Yeah, I it's funny. Uh, I I didn't think about it until you described the idea of a of violent or a or a um uh a threatening avatar, but I realized yeah. that I react to those the same way I react to someone who's got a face tattoo, which is like, "Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to back away a little
1: bit here." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, the the eyebrows down and the and the mouth wide open, it's like, "Nah, I I I I don't want anything to do with this."
0: Yeah, I basically, I look for things that bring joy into my life. I don't want more anger and aggression. Uh, but yeah. some people do. Some people like uh, horror or violent comics and that kind of And that's fine. It's just not for me. So look at, look at the two old gentlemen, and by that I mean gentle, uh, just wanting to read their silly little comics in their happy little yeah. lands, uh, doing their dishes going doo-doo-doo-doo-doo. Um, so, all right, well, let's, <laughs> let's uh, ask our first audio question from our, one of our Patreon backers. Uh, and let me play that one for you right now, Bradley J. Hi, Brad and Dave. This is Dave Slusher, the writer of the Spoonbenders webcomic. One of the things
1: I've been experimenting with in writing the comic is trying to do kind of the Hollywood Writers Room organization, where I sit down and try to generate a lot of ideas with no pressure to create a script, and then try to generate a lot of scripts at the same time. um, So they kind of pipeline it together, analogous to, say, doing all the penciling then all the inking. I'm curious how you guys work when you're getting from
0: no ideas to an actionable script. Thanks. Whoa. All right, Bradley J, you want to go first on this one or you want me to tackle it first?
1: I'll I'll jump in because it's, that's exactly what I've been doing for the first 2 days of uh being here in Huntsville was I needed to write the uh the the next storyline. Like I said in previous shows, I'm I'm doing this more uh and I'm using a sitcom template to kind of build out 22-page stories at a time. So each one of these is is now chapters uh of of a, of a greater Ink story, but each chapter is is kind of a standalone piece with its own arcs and and in, like story A and story B uh, arc that connects at the end. So it's all it's something that's very real for what I'm doing right now. And I'm telling you, the first day I struggled. I and and, and it's one of those things that I kind of I knew I was going to be doing this, so I would kind of t- put aside some time in the days running up to having this time. To kind of go over and 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 see, okay, where where do I have storylines that haven't come to a conclusion? Which storylines need to carry over? What types of things can I talk about? For example, since Evil Inc. takes place in an office setting, it's oftentimes uh, very useful to take a common office situation, like uh, the CEO has decided that there's going to be budget cuts. All right, now to use that as a vehicle for the story to move forward. That is, that's useful. I can, I can build any number of things into that overall plot device. I can make a lot of things happen there, but I got to decide which one is going to be best. And there's a lot to choose from. So I did a lot of like pre brainstorming, where I Got all this stuff kind of fresh in my mind and everything. And, uh, and man, nothing came out the first day, and and there's nothing worse. Like I, 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 and it's playing in the back of my head. I just got done saying about how all I'm gonna I'm gonna do all this work in Huntsville, and everybody at Comic Lab has heard me talk about it, and it's, and here I have the first day, and I've wasted it, and I've done nothing. There's nothing worse than that feeling, and uh, I, I I came to a realization. Uh, and i tweeted this by the way got absolutely no response so it must have not have been as uh, as insightful it
0: really resonated with the people at home yeah. <laughs> yeah it must not have been as insightful
1: as i thought it was but uh there's a difference between walking away from a project and running away from a project and that is this what 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 i really should have done was spent an hour writing and when nothing happened set that down walk away and do something else for a little bit, and then maybe come back to it in a couple hours, right? Uh, but to sit there for hour after hour with nothing happening, and and you know after that first hour or first hour and a half, if nothing's happened, nothing's gonna happen. You're not yeah. gonna make it happen at that point. Absolutely. Uh, and and of course the the antithesis of that is when you set it down and you never come back. You know. So, so walking away from a project is good. Running away doesn't help if you go and you, and and you set that down and then you don't come back to it and give it a second chance. And I'm going to even say like within the same day or within the same couple of days or within the same 24 hour span, because you need that stuff freshly percolating in your mind, uh, that, that counts as running away. If you, if you put it down for too long. But if you sit there and spin your wheels and spin your wheels and spin your wheels, nothing's going to come of it. And to answer directly his question, what I did and and I, and I rediscover this every time it's the same way I discovered my way out of the last storyline and I completely forgot about it. And then I discovered it again is that really so much of this doesn't matter. All you've got to do is say, okay, I'm going to do this. And I finally decided what my this was. I decided what my arc was going to be. It's going to be somebody has created a uh, crowdsourcing app uh, that uses kind of like the disruptive economy to uh, do to one of Evil Inc.'s uh, businesses what Uber has done to taxis, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's going to be the problem that they have to solve. Who's behind it and what are they going to do with them? There's my arc. Now, I don't need anything else than that for right now. I need to divide it up into sections. First, you discover it. Then somebody gets assigned to do something about it. Then they have to find them. Then they find them. Then they do something about it. Five sections. Ah, this is getting easier. Now, all I got to do is go to that first section and find, like we talked about way back when, I don't know which episode when we talked about finding the best route from Philadelphia to Chicago. Now, I take that first section and say, what's the funniest way to get from point A to point B? if you take it and divide it up like that it's so much easier but the first step is just deciding what the that is and so many times dave it's not important what it is cuz you can you, once you decide what your what your uh objective is now you've got a problem to solve right before you had a cloud you had nothing you could put your hands on that's impossible but once you've decided on something now it it all becomes about solving the problem right so right. how how do you go about solving this there's nothing there problem
0: well uh so i think the way you just described your troubleshooting there is is very specific for a long form story is that fair mm-hmm. to say that you are saying absolutely you're saying you needed to decide on which storyline and then everything after that is problem solving. It's pathfinding. It's, it's what's the funniest route to get to the joke uh, while yes. still telling a story, right? Like that's once you make a commitment, basically. Um, and so that's a very specific kind of brainstorming is like, Hey, here's 40 different paths I could take. La la la. We're just throwing them all out. We're writing them all down now pick, right? Like that's, that's what you were saying. Yeah. Um, and then, but for short form comics, which I think, I think was what he was saying with his first uh, part of the of the question there where he's talking about throwing as many ideas out as possible and and yeah. n- not being nailed on any. I equate that more with individual joke writing which is just mm-hmm. quality or quantity not quality just throw a lot of ideas out and then frankly if that's not working if you're throwing out all the topics that you normally like to write about and nothing is coming To Brad's point, then it is time to either walk away. And by that, I mean, literally walk away. Going for a walk is an amazing thing. Get out of your house and walk uh, three blocks. And I guarantee you, the first block will be useless. The second block, your mind will start wandering (laughs) and you'll look at a cat or a squirrel or a a Toyota to sell. And you'll be like, and and then by the third block, you'll start generating ideas based on the things you're seeing because you're you're breaking the frame of what your mind was thinking of. Yeah. Um, Other options, shower. For whatever reason, a shower Hmm. is both relaxing to your mind. It takes the pressure off. I think something literally happens vascularly that that your blood flow changes to your brain. And so even if it's midday, if I'm really in a pickle and I need an idea, a shower is great. Um, And it's another no pants activity. Yeah. (laughs) Which I'm always trying to up in my life. Yes. Um, Says the man with no pants on in Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, So... um, And then the third one is uh, for just basic random ideas. Brad had a great one the other day with the story starter for Reddit. Just like something that's throwing a lot of ideas at you. That's always fun. And then even just hitting random on Wikipedia and reading five articles of a a topic that passingly is of interest to you you don't have to read every one that you hit random on but just read if you're like oh here's a famous shipwreck i've never read about that i'm gonna read about it i guarantee you if you read that full wikipedia as a joke writer you're going to start thinking of jokes as you're reading paragraph 19 of that wikipedia entry because your mind both out of out of interest and boredom will start going well that's a that's a funny moment that the violinist did that while the ship was going down and you're gonna start writing jokes about that you know So, um, anything that gives your brain new fodder with, with brainstorming, I think is helpful. And then the, the second stage of how, how to weed it out, how to find the thing that, um, that's working to Brad's point about when he says, you just got to pick. Sometimes it's just in your bones and there's no other better way to describe it. The one that you go with. And then from there it's just a matter of whittling down that log into a into a cute little statuette that you can sell at your corner store and what metaphor am I going with here what happened <laughs> How did we get to whittling I was I was with you there all the way until we know. started whittling As I was saying it I was like bail out bail out what are you doing <laughs> um, don't, so, say long. Uh, <laughs> don't say log don't say log Anyway Uh, What I'm getting at, though, is that I I do think in general, generally, I think that they are onto something that the idea of throwing out a lot of ideas is great because you don't want to be judgmental. You don't want to have your editorial eye on it at first when you're brainstorming, if you're really, truly brainstorming. Um, And then if you're once you're past that, once you have 10, 20, 30 ideas of, of differing levels of quality, you pause on the brainstorming. And you bring out your editorial mind and you say, all right, which one of these is actually good? Which one of these interests me enough to, to spend yeah. the next hour and a half on? Which one of these is fun? And then we'll go from there. And um, for the
1: love of Mike, put a little time in between that. In other words, when you're finished brainstorming, set it down, go take another walk. And better yet, I, my advice, I don't know whether you agree with this, Dave, put a, a good 24 hours in between that and opening up your editorial mind. Let that stuff uh, sit for a little bit. then then you really will be able to come back later and see which stuff is good and which stuff just seemed good do you agree but
0: also if you do that and i i actually agree with brad time is a great editor if you do that though just make sure you've captured your ideas sufficiently so that future brad knows what the hell brad past brad had written down (laughs) in that (laughs) notebook (laughs) yeah i had i had the word raccoons written down here what the heck did that mean I literally had an email to myself one time that said amazing idea. And I opened it up and it was just like fish on, on a plate. And I was like, what, what is, this is not an idea. This is not even a half of an idea. What the hell was like a half asleep. I don't even know what happened there anyway. Um, so yeah, just make sure you capture enough of the idea so that future you goes, Oh, I see what I was getting at. Yeah. There's something to that joke, you know? Yeah. And, and then
1: uh, as we always say, draft after draft, after draft. Write several drafts of that joke because it's not funny yet. Trust me. It's not funny yet. Write it again. Push it further. Uh, One one thing I love suggesting to people is one more panel. Give me your joke the way it is. Now, add one more panel. What happens next? So often, so, so many of us stop when it just gets a little clever. And all we need to do is be pushed to do one more panel. And then we get to the funny. And then you go back and edit it. So you take out all the fat and you and you make it sleek and trim and you've got something good, but uh, you've got it. You've got to do that first. You've got to force yourself to go one more panel from what you thought was funny.
0: Right. Well, and, you know, so often I'm sure this is the case with you when I'm writing short form, I start with the punchline and I work backwards. Right. You know, like I know I know roughly the setup uh, setup and, and final punch that I have. So then it's basically I need the two panels in front of that. And what happens is if I write that out for the first time and then go back and look at it, there's so much cruft in there that I could take out because yeah. I was stumbling my way to get to that punchline. And then you can absolutely streamline anything you write first time through. There's there's no question about that. You can easily take out 20, 30% of anything. Um, and brevity always helps. On, uh, I mean, there's certain jokes that require a little florid writing, but brevity always helps. So if you've got three words that can be substituted for one uh, word... Boy, that'll uh, that'll that'll help. Uh, there's a, there is a certain bit of antagonism that a reader builds up if a joke is of passing value, but it took them 20 minutes to get to it. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So uh, you don't want to antagonize them. Uh, and so <laughs> you want to make the payoff worth the time spent.
1: Oh, they. Oh, I, I, I got to mention, this is a total tangent. Have you ever been reading a comic and looked at the sheer number of words that were required to read the comic and decide there's no way this could possibly be funny and just not read it?
0: I've had entire titles where I don't read them anymore because I look at them and go, what what am I stuck on an Island by myself? I got things to do.
1: (laughs) And if I am, I could use it for kindling. No, I like every, unless you really know that this cartoonist has a, a, has like a 90% chance of making you laugh or, or if it's not humor compelling you in some way, if this is going to be interesting and you look at that comic and you see a whole lot of words and you're like nah this guy last three comics i read of theirs uh didn't make me laugh. Uh if i see a lot of words <laughs> i'm not reading this one either. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah like i think uh uh Jim Davis's 25 words per comic strip is a little too light. I mean that's specifically written for kids and uh secretaries. So um uh, <laughs> Garfield is a little too light but I think, honestly, if you look at the word count of a Calvin and Hobbes for strips or if you look at the word count for any well-written DC Marvel comic for a page comic, you'll get the rough estimate of what you should be writing. And if it's significantly more than that, you might want to ask yourself, what are you giving your readers in exchange for all those extra words? You know?
1: Yeah. Oh, what a great what a great way to think about it. I used to hate that Jim Davis rule because I don't like like, like you. Well, when but in I, all the, fairness
0: though, Brad, it's really, it really is written for five to 10 year olds. You know, it's not it, like it's true enough, but, but
1: here's what I'm saying. Uh, when, when I first heard about that and I, and I think you and I are uh, alike in this a little bit, as soon as somebody tells us a rule, we want to find a way around it. Don't give me no rule. Right. And, and I like, I, I, I probably cleave to this a little bit more. I like my rules of thumb, but when I heard that one, I, I'm like, I'm not going to count every word. That's uh, such a stupid, and you could write something, and who, who's he to say 24? I'm telling you, the more the more I go through life, the more I think the closer we get to a number like 24, uh, the better, and I can see the wisdom in setting that arbitrary number. It's, it's the same thing with tweets. Uh, sometimes they were a little bit better when they were 144 characters because it really made you think about What's the quickest way and the most uh, brief way to say concisely your thought?
0: Yeah, I think the the, 20, the 20s or 30s Dave Kellett that learned that Jim Davis put a, an artificial 25-word limit on Garfield. And yeah. I was like, oh, that's silly. Why would he do that? That Dave Kellett was also driving a Honda, and Jim Davis, I think, owns a Picasso. So maybe I should have shut up. You know, maybe I maybe on some level, I just I should have learned a little something out of it and be more humble about it. <laughs> so, granted, it was an extreme, but maybe there's an maybe there's a point there in terms of editing. Yeah. But um, anyway, let's let's move on to our next question. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Brad. Here's the question: Where are the largest sources of income you receive as our cartoonist coming from? Books, cons, ads, social media, Patreon, other. And how has that changed over the years and what are the key areas a new cartoonist should focus on as far as earning income as they start out? And then that is a great question. That's a really good question because boy have we experienced change over the years in our careers. Do you want to go yeah. first or would you like me to go first?
1: Uh, you go first on this one.
0: Okay. Uh, so Brad's main source of income has been was traditionally selling plasma. Um, that was a yes it was (laughs) (laughs) uh no uh, so i'll go first i can actually i did this before the show since i knew this question was coming and i broke down my income based on percentages and so here is roughly what i make uh studio wise so patreon makes roughly between 30 and 35 percent of my annualized income kickstarters of which i do two um, annualized across a couple of years because sometimes there's collections like a drive book that's worth two years of work, right? Um, those annualized across different years are, are worth about 35% of my income per year. Uh, convention sales are about 10% of my income. Online sales are about 10%, maybe 15% if I, if, if I have a good year. Uh, ads and miscellany are about 2 to 5%. And then original art sales, which are I break out as separate from my online sales, uh, that's another 5%. So that's my breakdown of original, uh, sorry, of, of, of income. And for me, the way that's changed is that uh, if you were to jump back five years, uh, there, Patreon would obviously be zero. Um, convention, uh, online sales and conventions would be much higher um, and ads would be much higher. Uh, um, and then original art would be about the same. Uh So how about mm-hmm. you brad? where how do your, How does your income break out? Well, this is really
1: interesting because on webcomics.com, I actually put this up as a poll uh a couple of years, uh, a couple with some time in between i d- I did a poll in 2015 and I did a poll that uh, that I just ended uh, a couple of weeks ago that started in 2017. I leave them up for a little little bit of time to get as many uh, responses as I can. Here's something interesting in terms of charting how this has changed. Uh, The question was, what is your primary source of income as a web cartoonist? 2015, advertising 46%. Patreon, which was just starting to swing upwards, 31%. And then the rest kind of divided among merchandise, Kickstarter, and comic conventions at 13% each. And then a bunch of other ones uh, like subscription services, donations uh, filling out the rest. Uh, just this past year, uh, at t- late 2017, early 2018, I asked the same question. Patreon was 40%. Advertising had slipped to 7%. Yep. And, uh, merchandise, uh, selling comics and original art and comic conventions, all were in the 10 to 13% zone. Yep. Uh so what what I'm seeing from my the responses on webcomics.com is that most of us are seeing the greatest amount of our income coming from Patreon. Now, for how m- I would personally answer this, if I were to do a breakdown like you did, uh I it would be a really simple pie chart. Patreon 80%, Kickstarter 20%. Wow, uh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It it would, it's, and, and, and that, terrifies me because that's and so, that's an awful lot of eggs to have in one basket <laughs> that's one big leg under that
0: table oh yeah boy. Uh, yeah it's
1: it's the antithesis of what we always kind of preached
0: <laughs> so it, and and for you like comparing five years ago to five years now so blood and plasma sales have completely dropped off that chart like you yeah, have
1: i hardly have to do that at all anymore although sure. i still do because the cookies are really good Sure, but, absolutely. Uh,
0: They've got those sugar ones that are amazing. Uh, <laughs> I, so, uh, no, I joke. But it, yeah, that's a little. However, I have to say, looking at your Patreon in the last three years, the growth, I see why that has become such a big chunk of your model. Yeah. Um, yeah, I,
1: I can't say no to it.
0: <laughs> you know, it's it's like right. But I think I think even I think even past Brad would say, like, oh, that's a little dangerous uh, oh, yeah. to have that much income. Uh, in, And the reason why we say this for people that have never heard us talk about this is that the idea is that you want to stay nimble. And if one thing constitutes too much of your income, then if that one thing goes away and it will eventually online, mm-hmm. somehow the things always seem to change like ads. Uh, it's dangerous because. Suddenly that rent or that mortgage payment is due and you're like, oh, but Patreon went under for reasons that I had no control over. I'm sorry, rent person or mortgage bank. Yeah. Uh, and they don't take that as a as a check. And so um, so anyway, it, it, while it's gangbusters for Brad and hooray that the growth is amazing and hooray for me that the growth is amazing on Patreon and for hooray for all of us, we just got to be careful. You don't want to have too many things in one basket like oh, Patreon and or Kickstarter and-
1: and that's why like i've mentioned a couple times uh, teaching this new class at university of the arts uh the only reason i took that is that i still feel a need and it's going to it's going to overtax me time wise for the next 3 months there's there's no doubt about that uh, but the reason i took it was because i still feel the need to keep a little something going elsewhere that isn't uh patreon you know what i mean that yeah. that, oh, yeah. that if, if if need be you know, I can, I can start now to build the relationships that if something happens down the line, I could say, Hey, how about I teach another class or how about I do this? How about, how about I do that? Uh, and that's the reason that I'm still having, uh, my website set up so that I can convert it to a subscription based website that has paywall protected stuff there. Uh, yeah, it's it because because that is the one thing that really frightens the heck out of me. And 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 by the way, I, I actually sent uh, a Patreon a note uh, through our contact uh, Heather and, and encouraged her to send it on to Jack, which she did. Uh, but just be I, 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 because something happened just this couple of weeks that we should probably talk about. Ko-Fi, okay, let's start at the beginning because we talked about this on an early early Comic Lab. Patreon uh, had that whole payment kerfuffle in December of 2017, and you saw a whole bunch of people, especially in the circles that I'm, I'm now moving in, right, uh, not safe for work creators, saying, well, screw Patreon, I'm going to Ko-Fi. You can, you can catch me at Ko-Fi. Well, what happened a couple weeks ago is Ko-Fi just canceled all of their adult creators because their credit card companies were not happy with that. Uh, which, you know, again, talk, going back to that 80-20 split, that's something that's always in the back of my mind. Sure. Uh, but something that we need to remember, especially when at the beginning of this month, oh, and Dave, I don't think you were reading your text. Uh uh so at the beginning of the month I don't know whether it happened to you Dave but it happened to me where there was a whole lot of declined payments because Patreon moved the 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 company they, they switched companies uh for uh, handling their credit card transactions from a company that operates in the US to a company that operates in the UK and when that changed all of a sudden uh, from our our patrons' banks, they said, "Oh, geez, Patreon's a U.S. company. All of a sudden, it's going to a UK bank account. We're going to decline that because it looks like fraud, right?" And that happened ac- a- across the entire Patreon network. Uh, and by the way, that's how I found out. Every every month uh, around the fifth, you get a note, a little email says, "Congratulations, we're sending X amount of money to your bank account." Uh, I, I texted you when this happened and (laughs) you never responded. I said, by the way, Dave, remind me to tell you sometime about how this month on Patreon, I made $8 and 27 cents because that's the amount of money. That's the amount of money that I got from Patreon last month.
0: So just to back up a little bit more, my my stated policy is to never respond to your text. So when you text me, I just want you to know that's going to go right in the trash. That's not even going to get read. So I, I, I'm i assuming you texted me. Sure. I bet that happens. But that just goes right to a spam folder that I don't even look at. So I've always suspected that it's yeah, good to have confirmation. Finally, Uh uh, in fact, I even programmed it so it has a little uh, uh, prices right <laughs> <laughs> when that when they come in that way I know not even to look you know um, no, I'm sorry that I, I'm sorry that I didn't respond to your text, but eight dollars and sixty cents so my policy with patreon and maybe this is a little too lazy's fair I don't know but uh, and by the way, I'm sure the French speakers I did not pronounce that right so I'm just gonna barrel right on forward um, but I my policy is about every six months, something messes up on Patreon and people get all nervous and into Twitter and, oh God, the sky's falling and Twitter, me- Patreon messed up and, oh no, bitty bada boo And I have found that if I just keep my head for about two to three weeks, it all gets <laughs> sorted out. There's no, like, just, like, calm, keep your head down, keep working, they'll, they'll fix it. It's just they've got their learning curve going. Yeah, they're, they're-
1: well, even beyond that,
0: Dave, and, I, and
1: by the way, I don't know anything more than you know uh, in terms of how Patreon works. But I've got a guess and I would I'd be willing to put some money on this bet uh that the reason Patreon switched their payment services was to avoid the kind of thing that Ko-fi had to do and shut down not safe for work accounts. In other words, Patreon was trying to serve the widest degree of artists it possibly could and and again, I don't. I don't know this for a fact, but I'm thinking this is. It's got to be connected. Uh, they were trying to service uh, the widest degree of uh, artists without getting involved in making judgments on what's good and what's bad. They were trying to serve everybody, and I think that's probably why they switched to that UK uh, credit card uh, company. And uh, if you were one of the people. Uh, sending nasty notes to your patrons saying stuff like, well, they did it again. I hope you're getting, I, I don't know if you're sick of this yet. I sure am. Uh, especially if you're a not safe for a creator and you're putting that message out to your people. St- shut your mouth and think about what you're doing. Uh, they're trying to help you, dummy. Oh, I love it when you. I love it when you get grandpa tone. I oh, love it when you get, get grandpa tone. So, oh, I get so upset. I get so upset, Davey. I'm, 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 I'm shaking over here in my Huntsville seat. <laughs> oh no, I, it, uh, it, no, I get really upset because, gosh darn it, they're trying to help you. Kofi sent you overboard within a matter of months. Ko-f- nobody heard about Kofi uh, a year ago. All of a sudden, everybody's talking about Kofi because they're all pissed off at Patreon now. Kofi, in in what's it been since that that Patreon uh, December? It's been eight months. Kofi, boom threw you overboard. Patreon still trying to find a way to make this thing work. If that doesn't engender a certain amount of of uh, gratitude or at least respect, I don't know what it takes. I, I honestly don't.
0: My favorite part about when you get angry is that you don't pause (laughs) to take a breath and you just keep talking and the voice gets higher and higher as your lungs are squeezing out the remaining bit of oxygen that they have in them. And you're going to make your point by God, but you're not going to take a breath and you can feel your cheeks getting hot and red. (sighs) It's great. One of these days
1: I'm going to get to the end of one of these rants and you're just going to hear thump. I will (laughs) have fallen over from lack of oxygen. The sound of flesh hitting floor. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and and, and that's especially painful on uh, No Pants Thursdays over here. But but. I can
0: tell that it's a topic that gets you excited because you're like, I don't have time to stop for a breath. Here we go. (laughs) And you just start barreling forward. (laughs) Don't hold me back now, lungs. (laughs) Papa's got a point he's got to (laughs) make. I will not be held
1: back by something as inconsequential as oxygen.
0: No little oxygen molecule can slow Brad Giger down, <laughs>
1: but all of which to say, uh, number one, uh, take a minute and be thankful, Patreons, there, especially for the fact that all of us, forty uh, percent uh, of us at least, based on this uh, Rinky Dink uh, webcomics.com poll, are calling it our number one uh, source, uh, and that's changed a lot from over the years. Uh, and 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 listen, here, here's a deal, I, and we've said this before even if something does happen with Patreon, there's the thing that they started is going to continue for a long, long time until something much bigger takes over. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely will. So that's my thoughts on
0: that. Well, while while Grandpa recovers from going red in the face. (laughs) I need to take a drink. Let me remind you of the last part of this question. What are the key areas a new cartoonist should focus on as far as earning income? Now, this is a trickier question. I think I know my answer. But, I know oh, my you know, answer. I'm going to open this up for, for Captain Oxygen to go first <laughs> on this one. Uh,
1: I, this is real simple. It, 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 get a pen. What are the key areas that. Wait, wait new... hold on.
0: This one's not working. Let me get a different pen. Hold on.
1: <laughs> you dirty bird, you. Uh, here's because uh, listen to the question What are the key areas a new Cartoonists should focus on as far as earning income? And the answer is you shouldn't be focused on earning income at all. You should be focused on getting good at comics. And if you're a new cartoonist, you're probably not good yet, and that's okay. You should be focused on doing your comic, doing your comic, and doing your comic and maybe a little bit of social media and then going right back to doing your comic. And then when you're putting out a good comic and you're seeing that it's getting great response and and people are responding to it, now you do a Patreon. Now you do a Kickstarter. Now you start to talk about monetizing. But uh, until that happens, monetization is icing. And (laughs) 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 Uh, but, but not, but, but first, first work on your comic. That's what a new cartoon, if I see a new cartoonist out there talking about Patreon or Kickstarter, uh, and, and all that stuff and and then rubbing their temples saying, oh, why didn't this work? Uh, the system must be against me. No a new cartoonists. You put your head down and start working on cartoons. You start working on comics, learn your craft. And then in a couple of years, we can talk income.
0: Okay, I will wholeheartedly cosign on that point. I think that's great. I think you're right. But let's say now that they're asking two, three years later, what's the now? What's the first part of of as Brad put it, monetization season <laughs> What part, uh, what a jerk I'm being today. I'm sorry. <laughs> what is the first income stream that they should focus on or the first three income streams that they should focus on?
1: Well, I think I think the first thing you do is open up a Patreon and, and just keep it simple. Keep a couple of tiers. Uh, uh, the first one being, you know, your $2. And I do think that's the new base is $2. Your $2 pledge just to support the comic and then a higher pledge where you might start to uh, offer some exclusives. Uh, And just keep it real simple, and once you have enough material for something physical, like a book, uh, and you've got your Patreon, and and you can start to see how people are responding to that Patreon, uh, you can use that information to consider a Kickstarter. That that would be the first two. And by the way, you did not hear the word comic convention anywhere in that.
0: I, you know what? I, I won't disagree with you. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can do a comics convention because I have a lot of buildup of materials and a and a history of going to them. And I frankly, I only do the two that I make money at. So I would co-sign maybe avoiding Comic-Cons for the first few years because frankly, yeah. they might be fading from need for young cartoonists. Um, yeah. I'm not 100% ready to... S- to sign off on that, but I think it's fading. Definitely. But how I will, often do you see somebody
1: on Twitter say, Hey, I just got accepted for XYZ comic convention. Now I got to make some comics to bring. Oh, <laughs> and I, I keep looking at that and I'm like, you dope. You don't do it. You you don't say I got accepted to this convention. Now I've got to make some comics to bring. You no get a warehouse that. full of, uh, no dude, I, 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 I'm thinking of the guy right now. I'll, I'll point you right to his Twitter. Uh, but first you get a warehouse full of comics that you've funded through Kickstarter. And then maybe you sign up to a, uh, a comic convention to move those comics, wow. but you don't do I, it the other way.
0: I thought you were joking. That's a real person. Wow. All right. Yeah.
1: Well, okay. You start talking. I'm going to go search uh, Twitter. There, no, I'll, no, you don't have to find I'll, I'll pretend, I'll pretend to be you. listening I to you.
0: you. <laughs> I, I don't want you to go red in the face. I believe you. I believe you. I'm taking you by the shoulders and saying, I believe you. Um, so I would agree with Brad. I think the low-hanging fruit is Patreon first. I think if you're newish or a couple years in and you're, like, ready to start, Patreon mm-hmm. is great. I would set up one, two tiers and keep it real simple. Um, and then as that grows, your Patreon folks, your patrons, or your true fans, can also start to inform you about, like, small baby steps you can start taking into merch if you'd like to do that. Or yeah. into one bigger Kickstarter project that's worth somewhere between two and $10,000, say. Uh, and If you, I, I again starting small, um, I think that's a great first baby step. Is from Patreon to try Kickstarter about a year later, and so I think Brad's point is the best one to be made there.
1: And don't get disappointed if you launch that that pit. uh, (laughs) Don't get disappointed if you launch that Patreon and you don't get a big response just yet. Remember, this is a slow build; it's a marathon, not a sprint. You're that's in fact when you launch that patreon you should expect that you're only going to get a few and a few more and a few more and it's going to feel really dopey uh putting patreon making patreon posts to a dozen people or a half dozen people uh but two things number 1 don't get discouraged <laughs> it's a long you got a long career ahead of you and number 2 watch and pay attention to what they're responding to what what works and what doesn't work Because those reward tiers that you chose, number one, hopefully you limit it to to just a couple. And number two, you can change those at any time as long as you give people a little heads up. Nobody's going to get upset. And you should be uh, evolving this Patreon campaign as you move forward based on the response to what you're putting out there. And and as you evolve it and make hopefully good, solid decisions, uh, you're going to see more and more patrons jump in.
0: I I absolutely co-sign on that, and I think we've actually found a good path forward for people. So I think we can can leave that one there, my friend. What do you think? Very
1: good. Well, I think, Dave, we have room for one more question from one of our $5-level patrons.
0: All right. Well, then we'll do that. Uh, This one's kind of a fun one. Hey, Dave and Brad, have you two ever swapped comics for a week to see what you would do with each other's ideas? If not, why not? (laughs) <laughs> so, Brad, have we ever swapped comics for a
1: week? Oh, we You know what, Dave? I want to go back and re-record this. We should not have done this on a day that I got all uh, grumpy and irritable over Patreon and, and stuff. Uh, because my answer is going to sound extra sh- snotty. Uh, No, I've 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 never swapped comics for a week to see what somebody else would do with my comic, because I've always considered this to be a business. And that's not what I do. That's not what my people signed up for when they followed my comic. And I think it's a really dopey idea. All right, Captain Killjoy, slow, slow your roll over there. Oh, what a dumb—I hate—you know what? I, I, I hate Boy, all that. Boy, I tell you
0: what, the Alabama
1: Heat is not agreeing with you. I hate all of that stuff. I hated April Fool's Day with the web comics. Everybody had to do Switch Comics for April Fool. I hated all of that stuff. And you know you know why? Because it, 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 for a, a number of reasons plus what inevitably I'm going to find out is when Dave does Evil Ink, he does it way better than I do and I've got to deal with that for the rest of my life.
0: <laughs> well, we know, we know that that's not going to happen, but uh, I see what they're getting at is that the joy uh, <laughs> listen to <laughs> Captain Pessimistic over here They're asking a basic question of Have you ever done something fun Brad And Brad's like no I don't like having fun Ah fun is for jerks Everyone is a jerk I'm Brad Geiger In my day we had misery And we liked it <laughs> I like eating gravel for lunch I'm
1: Brad Geiger I'm, 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 I'm. <laughs> I'm being truthful with you, though. I, 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 I wish I could tell you that was an act, but you just got uh, unfiltered
0: Brad right it's just there. It's funny because I, I I feel like this questioner is coming up with a spring in their step and like, hey, Brad and Dave, have you guys ever swapped comics? Because that seems like that'd be swell. And, and Brad just gets out like a switch and like whacking the kid like, no. No. I never switch comics. No, get out of here! I'm Brad what? Geiger. I don't like smiling. <laughs> what a dumb idea! <laughs> what a
1: dummy! You're dumb for suggesting it.
0: <laughs> you go running home to mom and dad, and you tell them they raised a dummy. I'm Brad Geiger. Uh, so I, <laughs> I'm going to take a different tack to this. <laughs> Because yeah, no, I bet you will. <laughs> I'm gonna remind oh. Brad that when my eldest was born, I said to friends, "I'm not gonna have time." This was back when the ad model was more important, and if you missed a day, it was a big yes. deal. Yes, yes. Uh, so I was doing Sheldon seven days a week, and I said to Brad, "Brad, would you like to draw a Sheldon for a day?" And Brad, back then, was joy filled and said yes. He was had a he? smile in his heart, and he said yes. Did I do a Sheldon? Do you not remember? See this is how much this is how much the joy has faded from his life. Look at this. Look at no, this I'm... withered old husk of a man. Did I smile once? I don't remember. I, I don't remember. remember joy. Did it taste like strawberries, Mr. Frodo? I don't remember. <laughs>
1: Oh, my God! <laughs> I, I I really hope
0: the people next door are out for the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the idea now that I stumbled on it that you're like Frodo on the de- on the steps of Mount Doom going. I've forgotten the taste of strawberries. I'm Brad Jagger. Oh, joy has left my heart! <laughs>
1: Oh, oh, God, it's, I I was going to I was going to compliment you, by the way, just because you made me think of it on Instagram. You posted uh, a cartoon of uh, two uh, of the two people on, and the, there's a fan in between them. And he says something like, uh, I've forgotten the taste of 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 happiness or uh, how did joy. you phrase I think that it was again?
0: Taught the taste of joy. Yeah. Oh,
1: and I read that and I'm like, oh, my God, Can you use language so beautifully sometimes that just that phrase you i i, I was killed right oh, no, there you
0: know what it was i don't remember the taste of hope that's what it was yes the
1: taste of hope oh just it was wonderful and then and then uh arthur's comeback was just as delightful uh but anyway they, without reading through your comics to, to people
0: no but i want to now i want to now argue from brad's point because i think I think I I was too rough on you. And now I want to be <laughs> this is like an abusive relationship. Now I want to apologize. Uh, no, uh, because here's the truth is that comics are like children. They're your unique creation. And so I see why Brad is saying this from a creative standpoint. He's absolutely right. It's yours. Yeah. It's your baby. It's it's uh, it's an, a version of you brought to life in story form in in characters that you've created and ideas that you've created. And so it's yours. It's yours to own. You love it. It's yours. And so I get that. And then Brad has layered on top of that: it's a business. And so doing frivolous things like saying, "Hey, this week every character is going to be drawn purple." La da 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 da. What silly goofy? You know, he's also saying like people have an expectation of a certain value level, and so you don't want to just throw a curveball at them, uh, yeah. right? Is that what you're saying, Brad?
1: I, I That's exactly what I'm saying in a much nicer way. But that's exactly what I'm saying.
0: And then uh so. Uh, I will. I, I say, I will say to that that I agree with both of those thoughts. Those are nice, but I, I think also, I have had lighter moments in my career where I was like, you know what, the comic can just be fun. If I'm having fun, then mm-hmm. everyone else is having fun. So I will do, uh, like for example, right now I've currently completely abandoned Sheldon, and right now my comic is just doing anatomy of different authors. And I'm having a heck of fun with it. And 90% of the people are having fun with it. And the 10% that are grumpy, I read their emails out loud and I laugh at them or I forward them to Brad. Um, <laughs> oh, and I'm loving, you know, okay. Can I, can I be, re-
1: I'm into being honest today. Okay. When you said you were going to do anatomy of authors, I immediately said, oh, what an idea he's going to hit he, you. You've got three authors you could do, uh, that everybody knows and after that, it's going to get really hard to do, right? You can you can do what? Dr. Seuss, George R.R. R. Martin, uh, Edgar Allan Poe, and maybe one other, right? And it's like, this idea does not have legs. He's going to fall right on his face. How, do I, how, how am I going to tell my friend this? It's a horrible idea. And you've been doing it for what? Four weeks, five weeks. I, 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 how many have you posted so far? Not, not Something more like than that. a half dozen. Four, four or five weeks. It's,
0: it's around twenty it's, authors so far. It's the
1: most brilliant, wonderful stuff I've ever. And, and you found a great way to kind of introduce an author that I might not be familiar with, like the Nancy Drew. I had no idea that was written by a team of people. You have such a nice way of of introducing that and and reaffirming it. So if I'm talking if I'm reading about an author that I'm not that familiar with, like the guy that wrote Dune, I don't know anything about that guy. But that comic was wonderful <laughs> and very funny. And 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 now I kind of want to read Dune now. But uh but yeah, you it's such a great it's such it's an idea that I would have tried to if you would have come to me with this idea, I would have spent the next hour trying to talk you out of it. I'm so glad you don't listen to me.
0: <laughs> it's a great idea. It, at the beginning of the show, we talked about my internal monologue is do 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 and now we've learned that Brad's internal monologue is what Dave is up to. What is this thing Dave's doing? Jeez. What a hot plate of shit that is. God, what an idea. <laughs> this freaking guy. <laughs> what, what a dummy. Go, run, Dave, run home and tell your parents you're an idiot. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> That's twice I've used that same construction. Uh, anyway, here's where the brilliance of this is going to come to fruition, Brad. Not only am I having, so I I have, uh, how many, two of my degrees are in literature, right? So it's, it's mm-hmm. in my bones. I love it. It's, I yeah. get to make fun of authors that I read, right? But um, uh, it's also, here's the genius of it, is you know who buys a lot of books in a Kickstarter? People that <laughs> like books.
1: Yeah and librarians when they buy a book they buy multiple books and those are people that like books
0: i guarantee you this kickstarter <sighs> is going to do well just it. because the topic and the and the platform is perfect for kickstarter so it, yeah. uh, we'll check back in a year on this, but I think that Kickstarter is going to do real good. We'll see. Such
1: a great idea, and you're and you're delivering it wonderfully. I I really have to take my hat off to you. You're you're taking what I would would have considered an impossible idea and just knocking them out of the park. Everyone.
0: Well, uh, I don't. You don't have to dress it up. I thank you, but um, it's 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 going okay. <laughs> I, like, I like that the guilt kicked in on you of like for making fun of me. You're like, no, it's going great though. It's going. You're doing a wonderful job. <laughs>
1: Oh, shucks. I I love making you squirm. That's uh, that's half the fun of doing this show.
0: (laughs) Well, so listen, just to to put a button on this on this questioner uh, who who had a kind question. So Brad has done a Sheldon. I don't know that I have ever been invited to do (laughs) (laughs) it. Don't don't
1: feel bad. I don't think I've invited many people at all to ever. In fact, my memory may be fading, but I don't think I've ever said to somebody, come and do an Evil Ink. I might have, I, I'm not even sure I ran a guest trip. I must have run a guest strip at some I, point. I don't
0: think you have, to your credit. <laughs> and I do say it as credit, to your credit, you have been the sole producer of all those many thousands of Evil Ink. So uh, no, I don't think you've ever had anybody as far as I know. Uh, the one, But the one capstone I wanted to say to this, and I think this is worth mentioning, is that Drive, thankfully, has been successful enough on Patreon where I can hire artists that I respect to play in yeah. the sandbox of that drive universe. And they tell, uh, 10 to 15 page stories. And that has been really delightful for me to not only pay them a rate that meets or beats Marvel DC rates, but, uh, also is I can, I let them have free reign. I I really try not to give editorial notes and, and let them do what they want. Uh, because a, most people are respectful if you ask the right artist and then B, it's really genuinely fun to see what they come up with. Uh, and. Yeah. So far, most of it has added to the overall canon, uh, and it's been fun. So that's my answer to that questioner, um, which differs a little bit from Brad's answer for that questioner.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I like how you keep saying questioner because you're fighting consciously to not say question asker.
0: Well, you've put question asker in my head, and it's the dumbest... uh,
1: I'm angry about it. I can tell. Well, finally, you're angry about something. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, Do you hear that? Oh, I do hear that. Yeah, that's that guitar that says you've been listening to Comic Lab, the show about making comics and making a living from comics.
0: Your hosts have been a very sweaty and red-in-the-face Brad Geiger. (laughs) You know the truth. (laughs) The editor of webcomics.com. Cartoonist of Evil Inc. at evil and current user of the social hour at the Huntsville, Alabama <laughs> hotel he's
1: staying at. Yeah, that's, it's six o'clock. That's where I'm going as soon as we turn these microphones off. And <laughs>
0: Dave Kellett, co
1: director, they had Pulled Pork yesterday, co director of Strip <laughs> <laughs> and cartoonist of Sheldon and, and Light Beer at SheldonComics.com
0: and Drive at DriveComic.com. I love that Light Beer is a selling point. Anyway, well, the Comic Lab theme down. song is used with permission from Andy Creighton at theworldrecord.net. Really light beer, and this episode was edited by Matt Woodard of Woodsong Productions at www.woodsong.media.
1: It tastes great. Comic Lab is made possible by your support on Patreon.com/slash Comic Lab. So we'll go ahead and say that twice: Patreon.com/slash Comic Lab. Great. Now here's where you say. Here's where you say less filling.
0: If I'm really in a pickle and I need an idea, a shower is great. Um, and it's another no pants activity. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm always trying to up in my life, yes. Um, Says the man with no pants on in Huntsville, Alabama.